0: Thank you.
1: Podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. Hey, customers, and welcome to Now Open, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. I'm Trisha,
0: and my name is Jobem. This is going to be another guy coming in and out episode.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah! All right, so uh, we have a super, super great episode and a super great guest on today, Um, and we're really excited to introduce you to what we're talking about. But before we do that, we have another exciting announcement: we have a giveaway. Oh, there's more noises or confetti. Thank you, (laughs) Javim. So we have a really special sex toy giveaway care of our friends at Frisky Unlimited. So if you guys want to win uh, this super, super cute bullet vibrator. Wait, just let me get it for a second. If you guys want to win this super, super cute um, bullet vibrator, all you have to do is one like now open on Facebook. Two, make sure you follow frisky unlimited on instagram that's at frisky ultd and leave a comment i want to get frisky so if you do those three things you could win this bullet vibrator i promise it's unused for the now
0: has touched it's been touching all day
1: <laughs> i'll clean it before i send it over all right Uh, This is uh, kind of like the time of the podcast where we want to promote and support our favorite customers and, you know, the now open community. So um, here is a song. (laughs) Um, Here is a song from everyone's favorite podcast producer. We have a special clip from this music video. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy it. I was afraid to feel the way I do All right, that was a clip from Don't Run by our very own producer, Prenz. (laughs) More fanfare. So if you want to catch that, you can stream it on Spotify or get the music video on YouTube, I think. Fun fact, the the YouTube music video, the music video is also starring our good friend Rachel, who is, uh, if you're looking for some sapphic representation in local media, um she's starring in a new girl's love series called pearl next door so she is in precious music video for don't run which again you can find on youtube so make sure to check that out support our friends and support your local queer creators that being said jabim why don't you introduce our topic for today and our special guest
0: all right so that's gonna be a pretty fun episode because it involves things we love uh sex and film and uh, we have a person who I think is the most qualified to talk about it today. He is—he is the ultimate multi-hyphenate. He is scientist, actor, film critic, writer, and all-around great guy, Mr. Jason Van Luuk.
2: Hello, hello, hello! It's great thank having have you. you. Thank you, Trisha. Thank, thank you, Kai. Ayan. Um, I'm really glad to be here and to talk about something that I really love, which is, you know, being
0: gay and also, you know, <laughs> film. Um, <laughs> well, what got you interested in this topic? What got you interested in looking into how gays are represented in cinema? What was the, the thing that, that ticked your brain off and said, this is worth looking into? Oh, um, well...
2: Okay, so first of all, I just want to say I am not a gender studies expert. I am not a film studies expert. I'm only a gay man trying to make sense of what I see on screen and why I see it. Um, and it actually started out way before when I was um, third year in college. Um, that was a while back. Let's not talk about when that was. Um, <laughs> and I watched um, Pagdadalaga ni Maximo Oliveros for the first time. And I thought, wow, this is the first time that I see an actually openly gay character that it's okay, you know, Um, who's Filipino, you know, who comes from a slum area and all of that. And, you know, uh, growing up was just a process of kind of trying to figure out um, what I missed out on as a kid, you know, because of access that's, you know, not there or, you know, just because I I wasn't out yet, you know, all of those things. Um, So... Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I liked it. And then later on, like when the BL boom started to happen, hi like guy. Um, when the BL boom started to happen, I realized that, oh shit, no one's talking about, you know, all of the things that have been done before that. So um, I decided to write about it somewhere. And someone uh, picked it up, and I'm just really glad that it's out there. Yeah. So, um, Maximo, what
0: was it, Maximo Olivares? Oliveros. So, Oliveros. Oliveros. Was that, was that the first um, gay character you remember seeing in uh, on screen? Uh, your first Filipino gay character you remember seeing on screen? You know, you, you, you usually grow up watching watching TV. Um, you know, you, you watch
2: Boy Abunda, John Lapos, um, you know, Chocolate, all of those people. Um, but I think the first time that I real, I saw someone in cinema, in film, was really Maximo Oliveros. Um, and that happened when I was 18. Like, when I was third year in college and I realized that, holy shit, you know, I hadn't been seeing films that represented, at least to a small extent, like, what I grew up with. Um, and I don't, I don't know about you guys. Like, when was the first time you guys um, saw someone who was an LGBTQ character on screen, you know?
0: Mm. <inaudible> Actually, I feel like oh. recall the first time I saw uh, an LGBTQ Character in in Philippine cinema, the first one I can remember of note would have to be Maximo. Uh, I, I can't remember. <laughs> <the laughs> right? Uh, the next would be. even <laughs> count? Yeah. 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 He's, a, he's not gay. He's, oh, no, he's gay. Yeah, he's right. He's gay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a, yeah, okay. So, I mean, that's the next one I remember. So, as opposed to, you know, the first time that I saw a gay character, a gay Western character on screen, which would have been Martin Short's character in Father of the Bride. He was a, he was a gay uh, wedding planner. It took me very long to see uh, a gay character in Philippine cinema. How about you guys, Trisha, Kyle? Who were the first... LGBTQ characters you you saw in Philippine cinema?
1: Um, definitely, same movie. Talaga ni Maximo Oliveros was a major one. They actually, I think, possibly made us watch it in school. I can't remember, which is really interesting because I went to an all-girls Catholic school. But I uh, will take it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was quite great. Um, and then I guess comfort women. Uh, that gosh, that comfort gay. Uh, Tanya Markova with sorry not yeah. Tanya Markova that's a singer. Uh,
2: <laughs> Markova, yeah. Markova, Markova the one with Dolphy.
1: There yeah. you go, yeah, the one with Dolphy. Incredible performance there, by the way. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I'm not a man, so that wasn't like the big one for me. <laughs> uh, all I could really remember the only Filipino media that I saw some kind of like where I felt. Seen by some kind of representation um, was this like movie I had to dig for. It's called Rome and Juli- uh, Juliet, so it's a lesbian uh, film starring Mylène Dizon and I can't remember who the other one was. But uh, it's a the classic love story, except now it's two hot women, and that was pretty awesome. So yeah, I think that was that was it for me growing up.
0: What about you, Kai? Oh, right, you know, I think it's, for me, it's also the same. It's also I'm <laughs> so, you know, Let's move on Roman. to the next topic.
2: <laughs> 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 Thank you for that, guy. Thanks, okay, guy. thanks, guy. Uh,
1: okay,
0: so uh, before we touch on the, the next uh, the next topic, I think this is kind of fascinating. Do you think that the film is kind of a cornerstone of LGBTQ cinema? In the Philippines, because it's one of the first few films, at least in our generation, where people saw uh, uh, an LGBTQ character in the forefront.
2: Film studies-wise, I don't know if it's a cornerstone, um, but experience-wise, like most of the people that I know, like actually have seen it. So maybe it's also because it's one of the, um, it's one of the few, at least to my knowledge, you know, you few. Coming of age films that are centered around a gay character as a lead, you know there are gay characters that are young in, when um, as side characters, but not really as leads. Um, right. And usually a lot of the and I'll talk about this a bit like later. Um, a lot of the gay characters in Filipino cinema are usually older, and a lot of the um older story um the stories are um have some form of sex. So you know it can't make it to you know, Philippine, Pinoy box office on TV or Cinema One on TV, you know, whereas Maximo Oliveros, it's pretty much PG, you know, so it gets gets played everywhere, right? So, yeah, I mean, it got played in an all-girls Catholic high school. I think (laughs) um, that's that's pretty um, cool. And I think that it also is, it made a lot of rounds internationally, like Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually in an international audience, Um, know of it and I think it's still making rounds in film festivals right now, Um, which is crazy because it's an old film. It's like what 2000s, early 2000s, yeah.
0: So we hear, uh, we often hear, especially on on Twitter, and you always hear that. You always hear people regurgitating that. Representation is important. But uh, not everybody is exactly sure why. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is it so important? For the LGBTQIA plus community, that uh, that they are represented in cinema, and why is it? Why does it matter how they are portrayed in our media?
2: Okay, um, well, one of the reasons is like you know, most of us grow up watching something. You know, um, it's it requires a lot less attention. It requires a lot. Um, less effort then, and it's also quicker, you know, than reading a book, than reading a magazine, you know, all of those things. Um, But the reason representation is so important is because, you know, um, film is a part of culture. I mean, diba? I realized I wanted to be a scientist because I watched Jurassic Park, you know? Um, And I realized I wanted to be an actor when I started watching all of these different films, you know, because of the access. And, you know, um, film is kind of like and major technical but like it's an ideological machine right it's a way by which you're shown how a group of people literally see the world because of that you know you also use it as a way to make sense of the world i don't know if you, you, there are, everyone i think has a special film in their lives if that makes sense, you know, you either your first film that you watched in a cinema or, you know, a, a date, you know, and then you talk about it, you know, anything like that. Or even just a movie playing while you have sex, you know, videos and all of the, the motion picture, everything, you know, um, it's really important in that sense. Um, I think for queer cinema specifically, um, it's really captured in this um, one film called The Celluloid Closet, which came out in um, 1996. Um and it says basically, um, Lily Tomlin basically says that Hollywood um, makes myths um, that teach straight people what to think about gay people and gay people what to think about themselves. And I think that's so important because, you know, most of what we see on screen, we either imitate or we challenge do we? Um And I think that's why it's so important.
0: Um, I mean, for, for other, uh, I, I guess you'd, you'd call it subcultures you have older generations to pull from, right? But because I guess this this one is so young and new and still trying to find its way, uh, they don't really have that, that many people to learn from. They don't have much to pull from. So the way we're represented in cinema is such a big part. I mean, The Godfather was so influential that when it came out, after it came out, the mafia themselves started using the terminology in The Godfather. You know, it was so influential that the mafia started calling their dons "godfather." They didn't have the practices that they that, that they displayed in the movie, but they made so much sense that the mob was like, "You know what? We should probably start doing things that way." It's, it's the same thing, I think, with for for I, I guess uh, a subculture that's finding its voice mm-hmm. on how you know it teaches how how Hollywood teaches people to see them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It really
3: does. I, I agree with that. It, it frames your worldview on things, The parang movies and film and all this form of media and all these forms of culture, it really does really just, it, it creates this, this, this frame and this lens within which you, you, you view the world and you understand the world. And which is why I think it's very important that we have the correct form of representation in media.
0: Yeah. Can you please expound on this quote you have here from Ricky Lee? All films are stories of losing or reclaiming someone's human rights. How is this possible? How is it possible that every story is about losing or reclaiming someone's human rights? Can you please explain? <laughs> Even Finding Nemo, I know, which is about fish. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, um, think about it this way, you know, um, so I'll give an example that's I guess specific, you know. Oh, no, let's give a more mainstream example. Give me an example, Jobim. Um, call me by your name. Okay, call me by your name. Okay. Um, ano ba siya? um Elio is coming of age, right? And he's trying mm-hmm. to find a place in this world. And um in the process of losing love. He loses space. He challenges his identity. And when you challenge your identity, you're not able to participate in the world because you don't know who you are, right? Mm. So that's that in itself is you trying to figure out how to participate in the world. And that displaces you, right? And when you're displaced mm. from society, you're, you're, you minimize yourself. You may nawawala about some part of your either human rights, human dignity, all of those things. I think, honestly, like all stories are human rights stories. Because at the end of the day, apart from the characters themselves, you're also the person watching. So whatever you pick up from that film, whether or not, you know, you you realize that, you know, in Wally like they can't plant pizzas, you know, um, or in Call Me By Your Name, that, you know, you you realize that that you have one that's got away, you know, or whatever. Sometimes Um, early hammer is out of your league. Yeah, exactly. But now he's divorced, so, you know, you never know. Um, um, <laughs> <I love laughs> um, so, like, yeah, you know, it's, rec- it's a reclamation of human rights. It's, like, even, like, so it to sex again, like, even in sex, you're reasserting yourself as having a body, as having a sexuality, and as attractive. And I think those are all components of participating in the world, right? Yeah.
0: What does this have to do with... Um how people are, represent, are represented in film. Okay, so the
2: thing is that when you have only specific types of representation, for example, and I'll talk about this a little later, but, uh, for example, um, that sex leads to death, that sex leads to HIV, that sex leads to AIDS, or that it destroys marriages, um, and that only gay people have this narrative. Right? Um, when you meet a gay person in real life, and, or if you see this when you're young, or even when you're way older, diba? And then you interact with a gay person. That is embedded in your brain, either consciously or subconsciously. I don't know if you believe in Freud. Pero, ayun, like, you start to diminish someone because you categorize them into these things that you see on screen, which may not necessarily
0: be even true, diba? Yeah. Um, what about, what if somebody said that the stories that we see are representative of where we currently are? Um, I think right. What if are people true. say we don't see those stories because... Uh, what if what if we often see um, stories about, let's say, for example, gay men who are married and then they have to ruin their marriage because they fall in love with someone? We see these, these stories a lot because that's happening to a lot of gay guys today. Uh-huh. Well, okay, so first
2: and foremost, I think that actually happens, mm-hmm. you know. But I think ito yung misconception about film that a lot of people I think stick to is that film is a representation of reality. Um, which is total I mean when you grow up you you want films that mirror your experience and that's how you relate to something, right? But I mean finding nemo like they're fish, right? like um, or wall-e it's a robot, you know. um i think we're allowed to also see film as like a reimagining of a reality, a reality that we we want to be a part of, right? um you know like for example um seeing two women fall in love on screen and then um them living out this you know, get, getting married or, or having sex or all of those things. Maybe that's not your experience as an individual growing up in a province that's extremely Catholic, you know, with conservative parents, Diva. Right, um, right. maybe that's not part of your reality. But then if you see it on screen, there's a chance that you can think, how does this apply to my life? Or how can that be what I want? You know, right. and and that, maybe that's important. it
3: it it gives you like room to think that this could be a possible it gives you hope, I feel, in relation to what you're saying. Yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's like, you know, you can only imagine as far as you can see, like literally. Yes. Right? That's why you can imagine a unicorn because you can see a, a horse. You've seen horses and you've seen that, that thing on their head. Right? So the, the more things that you expose yourself to, the more that you're allowed to not only imagine a better life for yourself, but also reimagine your own life. I think for
1: like some people, the only experience they'll ever have of anything is through film. Like um, us, we'll never experience snow here until, you know, global warming, climate change gets us all. But we know what it might feel like to do a snow angel because we've seen people do it in films. So when you go and actually make a snow angel and you realize it's kind of dumb and it doesn't feel like what's portrayed in the movies, but like, again, it's like a mediated experience so for some people, that's the only experience they're ever going to have. So if you don't have a lot of queer people in your community, then movies may be your only experience of queer people. Yeah, so their portrayals really matter more for the people, I guess, who've also never hung out with a queer person.
0: Yeah. Great. So what is, this, what is this thing that you you shared with us? The y- yogi, yogi Akarta. Is that like a sex book? Is that...
1: Yogyakarta you that so badly
0: <laughs> principles like Yogyakarta but for people who meditate
2: oh my god no um, they, they released like a, a series of um, like international human rights um,
1: principles
2: documents yeah. um, which is the Yogyakarta principles and that that basically just um, I just wanted to add that right. for you um, for the supporting Ricky Lee's statement which is that you know, there are differences, um, it made it clear that there are differences in sex, gender, identity, attraction, expression. Those are all different parts of your soji, your sexual orientation and gender identity expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but often, yeah, right. like in our country, you know, um, the terms that we have, like bakla, tomboy, um, and the like, um, they actually conflate all of those things together. So it's much more right. complicated. Right, I agree with that, yeah. Diba? To actually understand, because when you when you say um, bakla, what do you think of? Like immediately,
3: oh, I'm gay, and man. it doesn't it, it doesn't encompass like it doesn't encompass the entirety of the gay experience.
2: Yeah. Oh, but at the same time, it's also like multiple gay experiences, like diba? um bakla. Um, in, in some communities it means an effeminate gay man in some communities it means someone who likes to cross-dress in some communities it means right. um, a trans person which is um, and right. at least that was earlier now we have different terms you know trans pinay um, uh, and all of those things and we've adopted you know LGBT but also mm-hmm. parang is so unique to us because there's humor to it there's an image to it right and um, so the more common um, examples of queer films in the Philippines are actually centered around yung mga baklak. Um, that's predominantly what we see, um, and I think that um, that's something that has to change. And I'll talk about that maybe later.
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now we know why uh, why it's important to be represented and how powerful cinema is as a tool for affecting. Societal change or societal perception. Uh, let's get down to our local cinema and mm-hmm. what stories are being told about uh, the gay community, LGBTQIA plus uh, community. What stories are, are being told over and over and over again, and what this says about how our society views them? Okay, okay. So I'll I'll talk mainly
2: about. The bakla in cinema. One because that's my own, my own experience, and two, um, I think that's what is actually predominant in film. Um, mm-hmm. We can talk about the other um, forms of uh, other letters in the community, but I want to focus on this one. It started out with you know there weren't a lot of gay characters, queer characters in Filipino cinema. You know they're usually confined to side characters, parloristas, um, yung binabarel sa um, random uh, teleseria or something. It started in 1954 when Jack and Jill was released. That's actually the first time there was a gay character as a lead. No right Yeah. He played one of the characters, the, the gay one. Um, and then the other character was uh, a lesbian um, who was his sister. So the whole story, if I'm right, if I recall right, it's about um, the two of them being forced by their father to basically conform to society. Um, so your sister, nya, Tomboy, um, and then she's a really effeminate na gay character. Um, so the cowboy sister niya drives and all of that. Um, and uh, Dolphy is an effeminate na bakla in the film. Um, so it started with that. So it was this idea that, you know, um, the gay in film was like a cross-dresser, effeminate, um, soft-hearted, woman-hearted, um, who survives this like, conversion by his family, by society, uh, by the masculine men around him. And that just, perpet- uh, that kind of contributed to this idea, you know, that um, being gay is something that you can't change, um, which is, I think, something that still people fight for, you know, um, you're born, you're born gay and that's not, not something you can, you can change or that people should change, you know.
0: Um, and so that performance, say, that, sorry, that you know, movie was sort of like the, like the Mickey Rooney Breakfast at Tiffany's quintessential cinema represent, offensive representation of, and and that that sort of just created the stereotype. Yeah, and I think it all it it if it
2: didn't create the stereotype, it reinforced it because after <laughs> that, Dolphy made a lot of films like Falai Falayfi and all of those things. He basically made a career out of portraying gay characters to the point that people started to question his sexuality and all of that. So, and eventually, Dolphy was found out to be like a womanizer or whatever. Um, (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that. um, And then, so this idea of an effeminate and a comedic gay character um, really started from that, at least in Filipino cinema. Um, And then in an effort to, like, humanize that gay character... um, I guess cinema decided to, you know, make the character suffer. So there's this, there's the creation of, you know, um, roles that were tragic and melodramatic um, in Tatay Kong Nanay, and also in what you said, Trisha, uh, Markova, Comfort Gay. I think that's the last gay character that Dolphy played, if I'm right. Um, yes. So that paralleled, like... A series of movements, you know, um, that was during martial. Uh, yung tatay kong nanay, and a bunch of other um, tragic gay character roles were um, mirrored. This fight for LGBT rights um, were born during the martial law era, and all of that. And I think that obviously hindi to Pokemon style na parang like after comedic we go to. Tragic melodramatic, and then to another, <laughs> day, but <laughs> nothing like that, man. Um, but but it it's a pattern of what dominates and what people kind of crave for, and you know what people right. fund because it's a huge thing, right? Funding.
3: Would you say that this representation, like the Dolphy movies, this representation of gay men in cinema? Would you say that this is like? Like reflective of society of society's idea of, of of gay men back then, or would you say that this is what kind of cemented the idea that that bakla is fe- feminine, parlorista, parang okay. what was it?
2: Oh, that's so hard. Um, all honesty, I'm not super sure. Um, I think that it's kind of both and neither at the same time. So let me qualify. That. <laughs> Which is like you know how um, how. Comedy is like the center of Filipino narrative, right? Comedy is like if you want a successful film, you go for either a rom-com or a comedy, right? Um, okay. and so comedy makes sense as an entry point for the bakla, right?
0: Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm.
2: like just just as a like a market thing, but also I think, yeah, there must yung effeminate na comedic roles. Um but I also think, yeah, maybe also, you know, what people were ready for at the time. Um, you know, we see, we still see those kinds of films, um, see box office success and all of that. But I think that in terms of, like, critical acclaim or in terms of, like, what people really value, um, it's a lot different. Eh? Because right. you, something that's critically acclaimed isn't necessarily good or uh, something that's critically you claim isn't necessarily market important if that makes
3: sense right and I asked because it was it just it's interesting to me because like I remember my biggest like my biggest like light bulb moment in terms of like LGBTQ plus experiences for me was when I was younger I had there was this like like friend family friend came to the house and I asked him I was like are you bakla as a kid I was really young I was like, are you bakla and he's like no I'm not bakla I'm like, but you look bakla and you act bakla. And he was like, yes, but I, I don't think that, I like men, sabi niya, but I don't, I'm not bakla. Mm-hmm. And it was such a weird experience for me. Because as a kid, all I really understood as bakla was, like, gay men generally, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, 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 with you talking about how men, uh, how gay men are represented in, in cinema, it got me thinking, like, is is the reason why I had that mindset as a kid, that bakla encompassed the entire gay experience, is that, is, was that, because of like how media portrayed gay men and thus it trickled down to like the mindset of my my mindset. Or was it because like cinema wanted to like, you know, do the other thi- do the um do the other th- the other way around, on So like it's kinda of why I want to ask the question. Like, I want to know like how did it work, paranganon? Ah,
2: uh, okay. Well I, I I also think that people aren't as responsible with media as before. <laughs> I mean, like, people are more responsible with media now as compared to before. Right. Before they just right. pitch anything that, you know, and if someone wants to fund it, you know, they, they do that. Um, I think though, yeah, I think though that in a certain, to a certain extent, yeah, people really support um, this idea of a gay character. That's why, you know, after Pumatok nung Jack and Jill, they funded a lot of other projects. And I think that, you know, these images get repeated. And that's mm. why important for me Jung, that they become myths, they become folklorized, Diva. Right? A lot of the films now, even, are references to older, older, older films. And because they're repeated, um, we know them, you know? Like, most of history is something that we're told, right? Um, And I think that maybe in part how you view the world and also how I view the world is a product mm-hmm. of those repeated tellings, right? And what we have access to. The mga
0: stories, yeah. okay, so we have the repeated effeminate comedic bakla. What are some of the other uh, uh, stories that are told and repeated?
2: Um, yeah, so yun. Um, I, I, the First is the effeminate comedic bakla and then the second is the tragic um, that is kind of um, a way for us to humanize that, that funny gay na meron pala darker side, na tao rin pala sya, um, right. And then, um, Later on, you know, most of these two representations are kind of um, sexless. You know, they're not objects of desire. They're just, you know, they're just people who want to either make people happy and then succeeding or people who want to make happy but then failing. Um, obviously, these are generalizations. Um, yeah, because I can't talk about the all of the things. Um, but then eventually, you know, in the process of trying to frame, uh, in the process of trying to address that, you know, um, they try to frame yung bakla as someone who is desirable or someone who desires. So you have mm-hmm. um, these films by Lino Broca, like Maynila sa ng Liwanag, um, Tubog sa Ginto, and even recent films like Jay Altarejos' Kasal, um, which is about two gay men who basically um, question their lives, um, question their relationship after attending a wedding because they can't get married and all of that. Um, so you know, and you know, you see representations of um, these characters either liking um, a, either liking a macho na lalaki who is like straight and yung nagkukokay ng mga <laughs> something or a tubero or something. Then, <laughs> yeah, or, that, or
0: the or like that. Right, right. Yeah, like, a
1: very uh, open, open. Right? I don't know why,
0: but like Jericho Rosales in a in a stando with a good morning towel carrying yeah, like a yeah. heavy box or some shit. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: Cargador, exactly. ganon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
2: well,
0: ganon. Um, and then the the
2: interesting thing about that is that there are films about that that kind of uh, gay character that wasn't just um from. The slums, you know, my, um, or from poverty, um, there were all, my shift na in terms of representing, like, the middle class, the upper class, um, and they're usually masculine, and I don't really know what that says about how we think of, you know, gender expression and identity and class structures, but um, that's another thing entirely.
0: You're to tell me that it's more common for middle class and upper class gays represented in cinema to be presented as masculine and for lower-middle and lower-class gays to be represented as feminine.
2: Yeah, like, like I guess it's also the narrative of that. Yun na, the yung, yung, yung parlorista gay, the beauty pageant gay, um, usually in the province. At least that's what I saw. Um, right. I don't know if that encompasses, like, the entire queer experience and queer cinema. I'm very young. I'm still catching up. Um, but then, ayun, But even in, like, yeah, what I saw, like, you know, there are masculine bakla characters who are usually middle class and either hiding from their wives or hiding from their families um, and that's so that's so interesting right?
1: Um The masks being represented um, in more like mainstream or as upper middle class characters are usually masked I guess it's because when you're trying to bring gay characters to the mainstream, you still really do need to think about marketability. Like, yeah, it's a gay story, but the people have to be hot and um, desirable, whatever. And it's where the whole desirability politics of the LGBTQ community comes in, where I, I think, uh, I don't know, I just follow this on Twitter because I'm not a gay man, but a lot of them, I've seen them on Twitter say that, you know there's this problem in the gay community where it's like you know mask for mask or maskness is highly prioritized and seen as more desirable so there's i i can see how like if you have like a lower class effeminate gay it's not it's kind of like almost designed to not make you desire that character but then with the upper <laughs> middle class gays it's because they want you to watch so that you can like you know um so that you desire them or that you can root for them to, you know, to find love and to do these things because
2: you find them attractive.
0: It's quote-unquote
2: mold.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's still the palatable version.
2: Yeah. And I honestly hate that. I really hate that because, you know, um, and I'm going to get into BL, I can't believe this. Okay. Um, but <laughs> Let's then, do it. Oh, God. But then, like, even in BL films, you know, even in BL um, stories, you know, the, um, BL is obviously... From you know somewhere else, and it's it's a genre that's filled with a lot of problems. It's written by um, straight uh, straight women, and then usually people don't discuss sexuality or anything like that. Um, and it really is focused on like fetishizing the the same sex like relationship, whatever that relationship is. Um, um, and then you know um, when when it's brought here, you know um, not all BLS. Um, oh God, I'm gonna get into so much trouble. Um, but like, um, a lot of the BLs, uh, a lot of the BL actors, you'll notice that they um, kind of look similar. You know, they're 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 either masculine or they're uh, they're very masculine. Um, they fit a certain body type. They have a certain skin color, um, and all of those things. And that plays into what is you know for us desirable, and that's like somewhat Western. Um, Of course, I I don't necessarily think that, you know, it's, you know, these people being born like this is bad, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, you're born really, (laughs) but then I also worry that, you know, these, these, these people, these, I'm going to blame the producers. I'm so sorry. But these producers, um, these casting directors and all of that, um, they only have like one face to desirability, marketability, all of those things. Um, And that's sad because, you know, um, most of your community that's watching they're you know they're not of that skin color or whatever um they're not they're not ripped super ripped yeah they're not ripped yeah or 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 if they are ripped it's because of labor you know or, or whatever <laughs> um, and um, you know and i don't i don't necessarily think that it's um It's good to, I personally, I don't necessarily think it's good to just give one face to a very heterogeneous community. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, we're talking about representation now. It's like, what gaps have been filled? Like, what, what have people played? And why is it, why does it keep repeating? Why don't we have other images of that? You know, um,
1: so, yeah. Okay guys, so this is just a little break reminder that if you want to join our giveaway, you still can. All you mm-hmm. have to do to win a Mickey Bullet Vibrator from Frisky is to like now open on Facebook, follow Frisky Unlimited on Instagram, and comment right now during the vidcast I want to get Frisky. Alright. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Javim, are you there? yeah <laughs>
1: maybe i should just get them <laughs> internet instead of a mic for christmas
2: yeah maybe that should be your, know, your top <laughs> do you have any sorry do you have any questions or like is it is what i was saying making sense yeah
1: yes no definitely, absolutely definitely yeah, because um, as we were saying earlier, with representation, it really matters because if your only experience of queer people is mediated through cinema and media, like you don't get to meet one in real life or hang out with one and get to know them on a personal level, you're relying on these images and these myths that we're creating. So if we're creating the same narratives over and over again, then people are just are are going to have a very one track mind about right. Also, like added
3: to that, like I also think that I also think that, like you know, I think it's great that like all these stories are starting to be told. But then at the same time, like as much as like we talked about earlier, like it's it's about like how you give people hope to somehow at one day like reach this or somewhat see this as a possibility. But also how, parang what kind, what is the face of the story that we are telling Na parang, yeah. if you're going to tell if you're going to tell a story, like how 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 much hope do you give to someone and how much like of their reflection do you show in that story? And I think that's an important balance that um filmmakers should I mean have in terms of telling their stories. Like that balance of just reflection and 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 hope, you know? And I think that's a really good like um your example of BL and how it's just um This one kind of image, you know? Like, I feel as though the one thing that could, like, alleviate that is having that balance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder, Jason, if we can, like, what do you think if the actors that they cast somehow contribute to this image? Because Um, if you're a fan of BL, you know that a lot of, especially foreign BL and even some local BL, um, they cast a lot of straight actors. So they're getting like cis, hetero men to play vaguely homosexual (laughs) or extremely homosexual characters. Um, do you think that part of the reason why we're getting these one track portrayals is because we're only getting cis het men to portray them?
2: Um... I don't want to, okay, as a person who is, like, an actor. (laughs) uh, I I want, as a person who's actor, as a person who's openly gay, as a person who has played both gay characters, um, you know, um, and not be clear what the sexuality of the character is, and then straight characters, um, I have to say that, you know, um, it's it's important to understand that the stories that we tell, are told by someone, you know. Um, we, we, we usually forget that for some reason, um, that, you know, the movies that we see are made by directors, scriptwriters, producers, companies, you know. These groups of people, literally, we're watching, I said this earlier, but we're watching a product of how someone, a group of people, see one story, you know. Um, and I think it's important for us to talk about that. Um, so I don't want to put it, solely on the actors, because as an actor myself, like, we, we can only do so much, you know, we're at the mercy, actually, honestly, of directors, of producers, of scriptwriters, even if we challenge scriptwriters or directors, you know, we may not necessarily be followed, you know, Um and even then, like, ako, personally, like, if I audition for something, um it's only me auditioning, you know, whether they choose me or not is something that's on them, you know? Right. Um, right. Right? I think people forget that. People usually blame BL actors for being white and beautiful when, in fact, you know, why aren't we talking about the directors, you know? Um, why aren't we the talking about... The people who
3: are making the decisions. The decisions, exactly.
2: Yeah. That, you know, you're kind of competing with for, for the same space. That's it, eh? um, And I think, like, there sure. are problems with, like, um, who should play queer roles. The first thing is, like, what does it mean to act gay? Like, Kai, I'll ask you if you're told, like, mm-hmm. what, what does it mean to act like a lesbian? Would, would you know? Like, like, right?
3: like, like myself? Like,
2: but. Yeah, right? so like, Wha- right? 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 <laughs> right? Like, you don't know. Like, you don't know. Like, yeah, when, when, yeah. You act, right? when a straight actor is told, na, you know, please act like, please make this gayer. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean? Like, I don't know. How gay do you want me to make it? <laughs> no, yeah, but like, usually people think that if you're, if you're a gay character, um, like, to make something more gay, Or, you know, you have to talk like a certain way or whatever. But, you know, when you meet Different gay people, there are different ways of expressing gender. There are different ways I can talk like this and be gay, you know, or or I can talk like this and and, and still be gay.
3: Like I feel as though from what you're saying, like there's this conflation of sexual orientation and just gender expression. Now you kinda assume that as long as you're gay, your gender expression will be in this box when it's not necessarily that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the problem is that, you know, there are, there are people, sorry, going back to BLs, going back to even like films, you know, um, that when they're told na, you have to portray a gay character, they repeat the images that they saw when they're younger, diba? And what are the images that they saw? We talked about that, the effeminate gay, or the tragic gay, or the masculine gay, and also the f- last one, pala, I forgot to mention um, the campy gay, the vice-ganda gay, diba? the yung the the insult comic. You know, the the one who dresses up like a man and as a woman um, and plays two du- two roles. You know, um, and in reality, not not all gay people are are like that, right? So, yun, what does it mean to ask gay? I don't know. But why is it that we're getting the same images? It's because of all of these other images before that came before it that are being repeated. As for, like, who deserves to get cast in a queer role, um, whether, I'm, I'm, this is, like, for everyone. This is for, you know, um, gay characters, lesbian characters, trans characters, you know, the whole Eddie Redmayne argument, <laughs> diba, na, or the whole Scarlett Johansson
0: argument, you know? Is it the same to whitewash something with race as, as it is with gender? Well, you have to remember
2: that obviously race and gender have different weights in terms of like the oppressive history. <laughs> like, Obviously, ako, like someone told me before, like would you ever like, you wanna play every role? Okay, play a black character. I don't want to, and I shouldn't, you know. There are a lot of other talented Black actors and actresses who can do that, you know. I don't have to go in that lane, you know. Um, And I think that it's different also because, you know, something like race or um, ethnicity, like where you you come from, all of those things, um, accents... Um, those are things that are very noticeable, like immediately noticeable, right? Like that's not something like that, that's like that's so hard to change over time, you know. Um conceal versus sexuality, right? that is sexuality, gender expression, you know, that's something that I, I personally think going back to the original question, like who gets to play the, the the roles? Um I think Glenn Close and India Moore talked about this because Glenn Close played a Play the trans icon character like in Albert Nobbs, bat, That was in Morrison. Um, pose and then he plays
0: Hook as one of the pirates. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, one of the pirate, the that gets thrown in the 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 chest with the the spider with the scorpions. That's Glenn Close. Uh-huh.
1: dude. I need to rewatch oh this. God.
0: I will yeah. watch that again. Weird and prosthetics, dressed up as a dude. They, they talked about like how everyone should be able to
2: portray the roles that they want. I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, we have responsibilities as actors. Um, and at the same time, you also have to acknowledge that those same opportunities for trans individuals aren't present for straight actors. You know, Eddie Redmayne can get cast in, um, what was that film? Danish Girl. The Danish Girl. Right? But... Um, Someone else who is trans, who is still up and coming, doesn't have that same opportunity to, A, play the character in The Danish Girl, and at the same time, play a character who is straight, right? you don't have those same opportunities. And so like members of the LGBTQIA community should get opportunities to play straight people or to play whatever the opposite is. You know, it, it really shouldn't matter at the end. But because there's already that like casting inequity, you should give queer roles to queer individuals, you know. Um, and I remember um, a, a, a queer Filipino filmmaker, I don't know if I'm allowed to name them, so I'm not going to, but then they said that like, if you're not gay, you have to at least acknowledge that the story that you're you're telling is borrowed. Mm. Like, it's not yours. Like all of these stories aren't ours, and that you have to be an ally for the community because you're taking their stories, you're taking their space, you're taking their platform. That's like a three way like marginalization, right? And it's so sad because you know, like when oh god, personal confession, um, when the BL boom. Came and then people were messaging me to audition for things. Um, I didn't audition. I got messaged a bunch of times. I didn't audition. Even if Jogim has seen me, he knows that I am talented. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's like, if they, I, I know that they're not going to cast a person who looks like me, a person who is more effeminate, you know, um, a person who doesn't have, who might be talented, but, you know, um, the industry wants something different and yeah. that that made me very sad and that made a bunch of my friends who are more effeminate also um who are of a different body type also sad um and i think you have to bear in mind that like all of these other people um, don't even function as as allies right? and part of being a great actor like Anything, like part of being a great actor in anything is always to put yourself in the shoes of who you're portraying and to fight for that character and to fight for whoever you're in a scene with. And if you can't fight for your character um, on stage or in film, and if you can't fight for them outside, the why portray the role? Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to do
1: justice by this role. Why play the role? Yeah, and and you see this happening with the local BL um, boom is that, yeah, since a lot of the people who are getting cast, some of them are straight, you know, may not be aware of the issues that the community faces. So they're playing gay characters on screen, but then they would get backlash because, you know, the Sogi bill is still being debated about. And these actors who are playing gay characters are completely mum about anything related to like the politics of being a gay person in the Philippines and yet they're portraying them. So there was like a huge backlash against a lot of these people and um, the actors who did speak out, you know, were, you know, they were uh, complimented on it and they were like, oh, this is good that you should do that. And yeah, cause it's very important, you know, you're playing a gay character, but these are real lived experiences. So if you don't care for them, and how they can exist and move freely in society and what? role mo. like who has care for that character? Yeah,
0: we have so many stories about gay people, and they're they're so prominent in our media. We have so many beloved gay uh, actors, comedians, hell, some politicians even, and yet. You know, uh, we, we live in a very Catholic country that still doesn't believe that gay people should have equal rights. We still have so much uh, uh, homophobia present in our society. What does it say that we love gay characters, God. we love to be entertained by them? And, and you know, we, we seem to embrace them on some level. Uh, what does it say about us that we, we, we seem to embrace them? And yet a majority of us don't believe that you should get married or, or should have equal rights.
1: I think
3: it's, like, a big issue of tolerance versus acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like, we tolerate gay people. We tolerate the LGBTQ plus community. Like, we can have fun with them and we can laugh at them and, like, you know, do all this, like, surface-level things, but we don't accept them, you know? Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's what's underlying it. Like, we're a, big, we're a very tolerant country. But when mm-hmm. we say acceptance, acceptance in the sense that I accept you enough to give you the same rights as these heterosexual cisgendered people. No, we don't do that. But we're here to, like, laugh at you, you know, put you on screen. And then on.
0: That's why it's important to tell new stories. Babam, bam Full circle! Hosting! <laughs> but, like, so, <laughs> I hope for me, I agree.
2: I agree with Kai, um, and, you know, and I agree with you, Jovim. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, but, like, I think, it's, I think people have a tendency to weigh the gays and weigh, weigh the queer community, the LGBTQIA plus community based on what they can contribute to society, right? If they can contribute a laugh, if they can make you cry, if they can be your best friend, if they can, you know, be a doctor or whatever for you, then, or cut your hair or whatever, then you're, you're a good gay person. You deserve to be treated well. But let's be real. There are thousands of straight people who don't contribute to society, but we respect them. Yeah. Right. And right. Right. And why is it? Why is it? Why is that their inequity? That it's okay if you're gay as long as you're able to contribute something. Um. But you know, if you're straight and you're, black, you be,
0: to be a piece of Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, you can you can still live. You know, and I think that 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 feeds into this whole whole thing about. Ba to? Gays overcompensating for things. Um, older gay men having this narrative that you know, kapag wala kang pera, um, walakana, di ba? Walang magmamahal sa No one will love you.
0: No There's fun. always that like over the hill gay narrative. <laughs> yeah, I've, my beauty has faded and now I'm sad. Right? Like, yeah. So that being said, what are some of the stories that should be told? How how can we move forward with queer representation in the future? For me, I'm really sad that most of our stories are either
2: coming out narratives or they're narratives that have to involve a romantic interest. People have to understand that gays have other lives apart from looking for a boyfriend, looking for, you know, all of those things. Right? Um, Right? There are, you know... Are there films where in so much more than yeah, where your sexuality and gender identity isn't the main issue? You know, there are people who grow up knowing who they already are, right? Where are those stories? Mm-mm, mm-mm. And why is it that the main catharsis for most of the stories are centered around a romantic interest? You know, there are so many stories like you know, gay people or queer people or, or lesbians who who are in positions of power. You know, CEOs. Um, you know and all of that but they're not they're not being told in film right? and I think that's more interesting right? because you're you're looking for agency you're looking for independence you're looking for integration into a into a family or whatever where are those stories? where are the stories of friendship? for example between two gay men that they don't have to have sex um, that's one why does everything have to be romantic? the second is um Sex, there's a huge problem, I think, with sex, um, because you know, um, so much about being gay is about wanting to be seen, wanting to be known, wanting to be desired. Um, and so much about being queer, also, you know. Um, there are films like Portrait of a Lady on Fire that show, you know, the female gays and all of that. I love that film. It's one of my favorites. Gorgeous.
1: Ones. Oh, it, it felt I so
2: mean. lesbian. Biba, exactly. <laughs> and and there is And there are stories that don't need that that that, you know most of the time because people in film use sex as a crutch you know if you if you want them to resolve something they'll have sex and therefore they'll have to talk after or whatever right or sex
0: talking after sex
2: gross during or I don't know <laughs> so that you don't have to cut the scene or whatever like it's a common thing like sex as death either by AIDS sex as death because of infidelity death of a relationship death of an identity right? do you remember a straight character who died from AIDS who recently Who I can't think of one it's usually a gay character or a lesbian right? and it's like why mm-hmm. is that
1: Okay. oh uh yeah in rent Collins was maybe straight no Roger Roger was, Roger. was straight, but he
2: didn't Roger. die uh, yeah exactly and the angel who literally yeah. did not do anything you know these yeah. games are sacrificed and all of that and um, <laughs> she was the best character <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> she died um so yeah um it's usually for me it's a writer's way out like for me, if sex is being done in a story, it has to contribute to the storyline. It has to be framed well. It has to be executed in a way that, you know, it doesn't always have to be tasteful or it doesn't always have to be sensual. In, in and like, It can be rough. It can be all of those things, but it has to, re- it has to contribute to this narrative, right? And, you know, um, moving forward, like, what about the other stories? Like, what, what was the last non-gay film that you saw? Like a film about lesbians, a film about trans individuals, or maybe other letters in the LGBTQIA plus spectrum.
1: Right. That is so true. Yeah, like that's one of my biggest gripes because obviously I am sapphic and I have been for a while. And there was a period from 2010 to like 2012 where I watched literally every lesbian film I could put my hands on. All of them. I watched all of them.
0: (laughs) Like a 23 year span where I only watched hetero movies, just hetero (laughs) movies for 23 years.
1: If you think there's homogeneity in the gay narratives, there's homogeneity in the lesbian narratives. Like I just want a lesbian film that isn't about a girl cheating on her boyfriend and realizing that she's actually more into women because of one girl. Like it's exact same story. Every there's always a straight girl every yeah. single time. It's ridiculous.
0: What are some other lesbian tropes that you're tired of seeing?
1: Um, oh, they also always have sex. It's very hard to find a lesbian movie where they don't have sex. I think the first one I saw was maybe the half of it, which is Alice Wu's second lesbian film after her amazing uh, first uh, debut film, Saving Face. Which and they're both yeah. like Chinese American lesbians they're not like white um the the trope now with the lesbian films is always a blonde and a brunette and it's like oh diversity
0: yeah um, uh, speaking of lgbtqi uh, representation in film just i thought this would be kind of appropriate just want to congratulate uh elliot page for coming yeah. out as elliot page uh this week so yeah good job um he expresses, you know, that he, he's really happy about, about being able to find himself and be in this part of the journey, but also kind of scared because he knows what kind of um, discrimination uh, uh, trans people face, in, especially in Hollywood. So worth bringing up this episode. Yay.
1: And I think it's amazing that Elliot is still going to continue to play Vanya in Umbrella Academy, yes. who is yes. currently a cis woman, as far as we know.
2: Yeah, but then here's the thing, like I see comments like, how 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 is he gonna play Vanya anymore? Like that doesn't make sense. And I think, okay, so Vanya can have superpowers, and that makes sense to you.
1: Right? Like she's like some crazy like violin sound person who gets stressed and then everything gets destroyed around her, but she can't be trans or played by a trans person.
0: In a television show where there is a gorilla man who lives (laughs) on the moon. Your greatest concern, <laughs> and, uh, wow. and
1: like a and like a thirteen-year-old who traveled through time, but is actually like fifty yeah. or sixty years yeah.
0: old. And I like the more? It's not realistic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and cis people play trans characters all the time. So
0: that is true. That is true. Uh,
1: it's acting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, though I, I like the I like the points that you you touched on, Jace. Uh, so narratives outside of uh, romantic interests, because sexuality is not all there is to uh, an LGBTQI character, um, and to remove the narrative from like the dark side of. Sex, I guess, because when they do represent sex in, in, in a not lewd fashion, it's always in this like cautionary tale, sort of like it follows sense. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about uh, you, you said earlier, we, we, we said we would touch upon the other letters um, yeah. on the acronym. So what can you say about some of the other uh, how some of the other letters are, represent, are represented in cinema? OK, like
2: a A huge barrier to things is that it, a lot of, there are a lot of narratives, um, but then, and there are a lot of actually like queer, um, queer creators, you know, there are people who like Samantha Lee, you know, creates amazing, um, lesbian films, you know, um, Billy and Emma is actually one of my favorite coming of age films that I've, I've seen, um it, it's available in ppp yeah um baka Bukas. Zarr is
1: also... watching us right now <laughs> hello
2: sar <Zarr. laughs> hello Zarr. um the problem actually um is also in part like access to these films you know the, because of the sheer like number uh-uh. of the uh-uh.
0: like,
2: like gay films like gay as in like strictly like male 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 um relationships um there, there are a lot on streaming platforms, you know, but, you know, these lesbian films, sobrang, um, they're, they're super content, but they're not also available on most streaming platforms, you know. Um, you know, bisexual narratives, you know, uh, we don't see enough of those. Um, the last one that I... Girl Next Door. Huh? Girl
1: Next Door is doing a bisexual narrative. It's a GL series, yeah. I'm so happy about that because as a bisexual, I really hate that it's always like, oh, she's she's straight and then oh now she's gay. And it's like, what if she's
0: both?
3: What, she's, what both? if she's
1: like somewhere there? Yeah.
0: No, or vagina. We don't understand.
1: <laughs> you want multiple <laughs>
2: And then, like, you have, like, we had our first intersex film last year, which was Metamorphosis. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Um, It's available via PPP. um, uh, And it was, like, members of that were nominated for, like, a FAMAS, you know, and I think a Gawad. I'm not sure. Um, There are a lot of great um, trans narratives available there. You know, you have Lingua Franca, which is on Netflix, if I'm right. Um, You have Mamu and a Mother Too by Rod Singh, which is... A great film. Um, it's available on YouTube right now. It's are you YouTube serious? Right yes, please watch it. It's great. Um, there are short films that also tackle stuff like Asri Maha Si Tam- Sitambula, you know, all of those things. Um, but then you know, there are a lot of we can still like fund these stories, you know, or stories like it. Um there are a lot of there, where are the asexual narratives you know where are the for where are the stories about non-binary individuals you know or why does it why is it that we have to announce you know someone's gayness immediately like I remember in a in another podcast um Mike Neso which is shout out to Mikele um uh, they talked about how you know um in the film open I don't know if you know the film open like JC Santos in an open relationship or whatever um, gonna,
1: to watch um, that, yeah, yeah. And,
2: Um, there was a character who just said in passing, like, I recently broke up with my girlfriend, um, and so the lesbian chat and all of that, and it was just said in passing, it, you know, and that's also like a form of small representation, you know, um, that it's not like a super huge big deal of coming
0: not out. not heavy-handed. Um, yeah, like, yeah. they
1: are incidentally queer.
0: Yeah. Right, right.
1: But then they, they are the a character right. who happens to be.
0: Yeah, She was not exactly. oh, like, it's so hard to be a lesbian.
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, what's sad is that, you know, when queer people have to make this kind of material or, or even watch this kind of material, they always just have to look out for those small moments. Um, and if you're gay and you're growing up in the province, you know, you can't just watch a whole movie for like three seconds of dialogue, you know. Um, and so, yeah, um, for me, it's about funding One, stories and making sure that, sorry, making sure that these queer, you know, creators get the funding and the support because it's been shown to be successful. I mean, Sela Sela is super successful and it's made by queer creators starring queer actors. I mean, recently, uh, Fee Palmos, Narcabico, and Topper Fabregas were all nominated for AFAMAS. And that's amazing, di Um... So yeah, what were you saying? Are
0: you yeah, saying? who knew? Paulo Fabregas is still working. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's your takeaway. Really no I love it.
3: There's just one film I watched with my sister the other the other night. It was called Rainbow Sunset. Yeah. And okay. yeah, I what I really liked about it was that um, it portrayed polyamory but didn't say it straight out. Like in a, the setup of the of the two men and the wife. It was it was technically a polyamorous setup, but it wasn't like out said na parang you know it wasn't it wasn't declaring it to the world na this is setup namin. But it was done in such a way for me na parang it was it was such a really showed like that 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 wholesome side of polyamory, and I really like because I don't think that open relationships in polyamory get a lot of representation, more so in Philippine cinema. And the way they portrayed it, I feel, was so respectful of like the of just how polyamory actually, like, does for th- come and um, play out, you know? So I think that's one thing I really like about that movie,
2: talaga. And I think that usually, you know, open relationships and polyamory and all of those different, you know, forms of relationships, they're villainized for some reason. Yes, Korea. yes, it's yes. That, you know, you're, you're because, you know, for example, na. Even in outside media, right, like, you know, uh, people who are in open relationships, they're often portrayed as, like, highly promiscuous or all of that. When, in fact, you know, that's not really something that's for us to meddle with, you know, or villainize, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's if it's consensual, if it's, you know, um, if it's an arrangement that they came into terms with their own agency, parang, why can't we support it? I mean, diba? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I agree, I agree, I super agree.
1: Interestingly enough, the only GL we have right now, Pearl's Next Door, um, also has a polyamory subplot. Right. 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 <laughs> and, yeah, it's really go interesting. Pearl. So you have now this, right, go Pearl. Like, you have this intersection now of, like, a bisexual narrative with, like, a queer polyamorous mm-hmm. individual. It's just, like... Think, I, I feel like I tweeted too much the writers of Idea First. I was like, can you please do, just make them polyamorous? And I just kept tweeting it over and over and over again. So, uh,
0: lesbian films in Filipino cinema, while they do exist, are far more limited in scope rather than, than gay cinema or gay representation in cinema. What about bisexual narratives? I have to assume that that's even more narrow.
2: Yeah. And I <clears> think... <throat> It's also because okay, this is so interesting because this is something that um, I got from a from a, from a film related like discussion with a bunch of directors. Um, usually, the the queer when they pitch like queer films, um, Their um, producers tell them, "Oh, can you just make this like a straight story? Um, so just make it like this star and this star. Are you okay mm-hmm. with that?" Mm-hmm. And so see across film history, there are so many queer-coded, you know, stories from the Philippines that make a lot of money, but they're starring straight people, you know, that it makes sense that, oh yeah, this is, this is a queer story, but
0: it's starring straight Can you people. give me an so, example of a queer-coded story that has been straight-washed? <laughs> straight-washed. <laughs>
2: I'm not allowed to, yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, but there are a lot of those. You'll see that. You'll see them, I promise. And they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money.
1: I love how this is kind of like the opposite of Bound, which is like the Wachowski's first film, mm-hmm. where it was written as a straight story, but then they just decided to cast a woman in one of the roles. So now in the in the male lead role. So now it became like a lesbian story, but that's a kind of like what you're saying, where you want more stories where it doesn't have to be about their sexuality. Like the fact that they wrote this with a man in mind, but then they cast a woman, they changed nothing else about the character or the plot. So it's just like, they incidentally happened to be Sapphics, but it's actually like a mafia film, you know?
0: There there is a holiday movie. I forget what it's called, but I, I think it's like some shitty little Hallmark movie. Oh, is this the
1: Kristen Stewart Mackenzie Davis, um, the one that came out this year?
0: No, 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 no. It's an old movie. Uh, well, older, right? And it, it was released, I think, I'm not sure if it was straight to video, but I don't know, of the Hallmark-level movies, right? It was released oh, in Canada and in the U.S. But one version had, like, gay parents, and in the other country, it was re-edited to absolutely no bearing on the story whatsoever that the parents would be straight. So there were, like, scenes that were added in. I, I forget what movie it is, but it's insane. And, and so there are lots of stories online of people from Canada and the U.S. meeting as adults and talking about that movie and having very different experiences of the same <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> not the movie I remember.
1: I did anyway. this movie in my life.
0: Uh, uh, Jace, thank you so much. Is there anything more that you would like to add? Uh, Trisha, Kai, do you have any more questions? Do we have any questions for our listeners?
1: All right. Let's, uh, customers, if you have any questions, speak now or forever hold your peace. While we're waiting for that, though, we just got to plug our giveaway for the last time. So we're giving away a bullet vibrator from Frisky Unlimited. If you want it, you have to comment. I want to get Frisky in the comments right now or else we're going to miss it. And make sure to like now open on Facebook and follow Frisky Unlimited on Instagram. That's all you got to do to win a
0: bullet vibrator. ULTD, I believe.
1: Yes. So their Instagram is at frisky.ultd and we will announce the winner on next episode, so you have to watch.
0: <laughs> crazy.
1: All right? So, no questions from our listeners so far.
0: <laughs> Which means... Oh, cool. uh, well, I, I just want to thank Jace for, for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much for thank being so, so much in your, in your lecture, sir. Uh, I, I, I no, we learned so much really, from you. So fun. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Would you like to plug your socials or any upcoming uh, things you might be in? Oh, God. There's nothing. Um, Well, uh, socials, um,
2: Jaseybel. It's a play on Jezebel and Jezebel, the the demon and the mermaid. Um, J-A-S-E-Y-B-E-L. That's on Twitter. Um, But JT Leewag or Jason Tan Leewag. Anywhere. I have a Letterboxd account. I have a blog. Um, I write for Cinema Centenario and CNN. So, like, stay tuned for my articles on film there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I guess if I'm going to just say anything last, last, it's just that, like, I hope that people realize that, you know, um, to make a good LGBT story, it doesn't necessarily always have to end um, happily, um, as long as we treat, like, people with the same human rights that we fight for off screen, you know? Um, because in the process of humanizing LGBT characters, we also kind of give hope to, you know, younger kids out there who may be watching things for the first time. And I think that, you know, um, there's always hope for all of us, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh That's so nice. That's so nice. <laughs>
1: that's the nicest note we've ever ended on.
0: <laughs> right, would you like to share your socials. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, J-
2: Jason Belladin on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah.
0: And uh, that's
2: the only places I'm worth following.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
3: right, Kai, your socials? That is X O X C A I on Instagram and Twitter, guys.
0: Jobim. I am Javier on Instagram Jobimism. that's J-O-B-I-M-I-S-M on Twitter and I also host a radio show called Morning Show, Morning Show on Jam 88.3 every Monday to Thursday from... Just tune in
2: Wait, go Trisha and then I have a plug thing to plug pala go. Oh
1: no, go plug ahead
2: <laughs> Oh, um, I have a podcast with a friend of mine, um, Bina Basilio, um, edited by Nina, Ber- Nina Bermio and uh, a, a, a song by our friend Cholo de Desma. It's called 20-somethings. Um, so that's, we're 20-something-year-old creatives that are having existential crises, and we just record our conversations and post them online. Um, we're answering like 20 different questions every episode, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, there's one on queer representation ulit. Um, and also one on criticism so that's cool
1: yeah so make sure to check out that podcast 20 somethings uh where can they find this podcast
2: um everywhere we're on apple music
1: uh
2: anchor uh, spotify and, and the like yeah i have links on my social media accounts yeah
1: All right. Perfect. So guys, make sure to check that out. Um, Also make sure to follow me at Trisha O'Bannon on Twitter, like Jason, the only place I am worth following. Uh, (laughs) And you can catch now open again next week uh, for uh, at 9 PM Tuesday for our next episode on, dead bedrooms so are you in a long-term relationship where you're no longer having sex well that is the episode for you are you single (laughs) and
0: masturbating for some weird reason
1: (laughs) so uh this is actually going to be our last episode before the holiday break so let's uh end 2020 on a positive note and talk about sexless lives
0: <laughs> you can
1: catch that episode next week, 9 p.m., same time, same place. Um, also make sure to follow us on Twitter, that's now open You can find us as well on YouTube, now open ph or now open the podcast. We're also available. Uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. So that includes Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, I don't know other podcast platforms. You probably don't look <laughs> to us there. So if you listen to past episodes, make sure to catch us on Spotify and all those other places. So thank you guys for joining us. We're closing up shop. See you next time when we open. Bye.